Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Shoots and scores! There's 50 from the right circle! Harris in the pocket, he's throwing, and he's going down the rail. He's got a man open, it is complete, and he's going the distance. Inside the five, touchdown Eskimos! Ricky Collins Jr. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Five minutes into the second quarter, Houston leading the Saints 7-3. Another game coming up later on tonight. The Edmonton Oilers will have another rookie game tomorrow. It'll be on 6.30, Ched, as the Oilers will play in Calgary. We'll have a 7 o'clock start time for that after a one-hour edition of Inside Sports. The Oilers rookies losing one nothing in overtime in Red Deer on Saturday night as uh, the Oilers probably overall the, uh, the better team. Certainly Calgary really brought it in the second period, first 10 minutes of the second period specifically. I would give the Oilers the, uh, the better of the play in the first and the third, but they couldn't break through. Dylan Wells and Stuart Skinner were the two Oilers goalies. Both did pretty well. Wells busier, especially making 11 saves in the first 10 minutes of the second frame. Now, uh, main training camp's going to start on Thursday with medicals and physicals. They're on the ice on Friday, and my goodness, we have a preseason broadcast one week from tonight. The Edmonton Eskimos have lost three in a row. They have dropped to 6-6. Six and six and their quarterback is not healthy. We'll get more into uh, the Trevor Harris injury later on tonight, but the Eskimos making a signing today about a week and a half after being cut by the Chicago Bears. Defensive lineman Matthew Betts signs on with the Eskimos. He was their first-round pick, third overall in the draft in June, was playing linebacker with the Bears. Uh, He will be a defensive lineman for the Eskimos. A lot of hype around this guy, two-time Vanier Cup champ with Laval, the first player ever to be named the best lineman in Canadian University football three years in a row. He won that in 16, 17, and uh, 18. He was also the U Sports Rookie of the Year in 2015 and the Male Athlete of the Year in 2018. So quite a pedigree for this guy who joins the Eskimos defensive line. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hope you had a great weekend. It is 6.08 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 6.30, Our phone number, 780-496-0063. Always happy to hear from you. The Oilers having their Community Foundation Golf Tournament today at the uh, at the Royal Mayfair, Dave Tippett, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins coming out and doing some uh, some media scrums. And uh, Dave Tippett, yet another new head coach for the Edmonton Oilers, the latest guy who's uh, going to try to be a hand and making the team a lot better than they uh, have been over the last almost decade and a half. And Tippett knows with complete certainty what it is he wants to improve on. You look at the goals against, and that's got to change. You, you, we could have... 350 goal scorers. If you keep giving up goals against like we were, 
or they was last year, it's not gonna you're not gonna be a playoff team. That's just that's just matter of fact. So our goals against is gonna be a a real priority and there'd be nothing in that that takes away from the creativity or letting players do their thing, but there's gonna be an extra onus on playing well at our own end. We're still gonna ask players to be creative. We need Leon, we need Connor, we need depth scoring right throughout our lineup. They were gonna push for offense, but we have to play a stronger defensive game. And um, you know that'll be the focus here early in camp because if we don't get that number down, there'll be lots of flair and lots of nice goals, but not many in the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you what, and I remember having this conversation with Todd McClellan almost four years ago during his first year as coach of the Oilers. You can survive having a below-average offense. You can't survive having a below-average or, or poor defense, poor goals against. And uh, you look at the, the two best defensive teams this year were, were Dallas and the New York Islanders, and, and neither team lit it up. And the Islanders went from the worst team defensively to the best last year, got into the playoffs, and, and won a round. So now certainly will the Oilers have the personnel Will they have the goaltending to prevent more goals? That's still the big TBA for the season. But Tippett has done this in the past, certainly with the, with Arizona, uh, a team that was known for being stingy, for preventing goals and, and staying in games and maybe sometimes playing a little bit above, uh, above what the roster might be on paper simply because of the structure that they had. That's what he's going to try to do here. And Brian Nugent Hopkins certainly believes Tippett can pull it off. I've talked to him a few times now. Um, I got to work with him a little bit at the World Cup a few years ago, too. So uh, I know him a little bit. Uh, he, he's just uh, he, he's a really easy uh, guy to talk to, really approachable guy. I think uh, uh, communication will be really good with him, uh, which is always a positive. Um, I mean, he's uh, every team he's, he's coached, their structure is... Uh, um, is really well, and uh, they stick to it uh, night after night. So I think that's going to be uh, a key for us. We've got to make sure that we uh, take that to heart and, uh, and use it every night. And the Oilers basically have to move up at about 10 spots in terms of goals against. They were 25th in the league last year. They allowed 3.3 goals against per game. So only six teams were worse defensively. Than, than the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the penalty killing is going to figure into that as well. That's obviously been an ongoing story. The Oilers' penalty killing second last in the NHL last season, so better penalty killing is a way to, to shave it off right there. But I think Tippett today was mainly talking about the five-on-five -five play, and as he said it, he is not going to chain the defensive guys. He doesn't. He is not planning on doing this at the expense of attacking or creativity, but he's he's definitely going to be placing a lot of the focus there. Now, Let's not sugarcoat things here. It's not like the Oilers were an offensive dynamo of a team last year either. Uh, I, I mean, they couldn't outscore their mistakes. They didn't score a lot. They had three guys score a lot. Pretty good seasons for Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid. Dreisaitl got to 50 goals. Connor McDavid got to 41. Nugent Hopkins got to 28. He had Chase on get to 22, though a lot of those goals, 15 of those were in the first half of the season. But let's not sit here and say that the Oilers only have to fix one end of the rink because they do need to score a little bit more. They were 20th in the NHL in goals for last season. And, and again, you can make the playoffs. You can be a good team if you're kind of 18th to 24th in goals for if, you know, you're top 12, top 10, top 8 in goals against. And, and the Oilers obviously weren't. So th they're going to need more scoring too. They've tried to address that a little bit with James Neal coming in. Hopefully he bounces back more on him in a second. 
and they're trying to create a little bit of a dynamic in their bottom six as well. And uh, Tippett today was specifically asked about who the third-line center is going to be, and then he kind of gets into some other comments about the Oilers' depth. There's a whole list of guys there. I, I, I've talked about trying J.J. there a little bit. Now Sheehan comes in. That might change that a little bit. Haas, uh, Marodi, uh, Malone is a solid, uh, you know, solid player there. So there's a, there's a cast of players that are going to uh, go in there. And I, I don't look at it as a number three. I look at our group as we have a top six and a bottom six. And we might have a couple our bottom two lines might be geared a little bit different. One's uh, maybe a little heavier line and one maybe a little quicker line that has the ability to score. Both full of uh, uh, special teams players guys that are going to kill penalties and that so we'll see you know you always it always looks good on paper in the summer and you go through and you figure out the pieces as you go through camp and see where they fit but uh, I, I like our mix on the bottom we just got to figure out where everybody fits so you heard him say it there and of course it always looks good on paper in the summer but ideally he would like one heavier line one quicker line when it comes to the bottom six he said he's not really differentiating lines three and four maybe lines with some different dimensions, and he said having some penalty killers in there, and we were talking about that a little bit last week on the show as well. The Oilers have signed some players who, I think more so than a lot of guys in the past, seem to be happy identifying as penalty killers and know that they have to take on more of a defensive role as opposed to taking maybe uh, offensive players who were struggling and, and trying to turn them into defensive players or penalty killers. I think you have guys who know that's who they are. They still want to score. They still want to chip in, but they understand they got to go out there and do some of the grunt work. So the big three and maybe a big four with Neil this year can, can get out there and light the lamp. And certainly R- Riley Shane, who we had on the show last week, he said, hey, I know i got to kill penalties. I know I have to block shots. I, I know my job. I'm not coming here to try to turn into a 25-goal score. Does he want to get 10, 12, 15? Well, ideally he would to help out the, the depth scoring, but he knows that's his role. And, and Tippett is saying that today, and I think the way Holland is trying to build the team, that they really want to make sure they have guys who are understand their roles and maybe who are really good in one or two areas to be on the bottom two lines. So when you're going out there in a penalty kill, you don't have to say, well, we got to put Connor out there because there's nobody else. We got to put Dry Settle because there's nobody else. We got I mean, those guys will probably get PK time, but I think they're trying to have them out there a lot less in that role than they would have in the past. Now, James Neal is an interesting one. 21 or more goals every season in his career until last year drops to seven with the Calgary Flames. You know about the trade. Lucic goes to Calgary. Neal comes here. Neal's been skating with the Oilers, and Tippett, Nugent Hopkins, and Dreisaitl have all taken note. A very, very motivated player. I think you see that. The players see that around right now in the dressing room. You watch him in the in the captain's practices here. He's He's ready to go and uh, he's got lots to prove he's got lots to give still and uh, I think he's going to be a really good player for us. If we do get a chance to play together I know he's a, a really talented goal scorer so um, he, he always finds himself in the in the right positions to get the puck uh, and uh, get a good shot off so uh, I just got to have my head up and uh, make sure I'm looking for him out there and uh, obviously not try to force anything to him but uh, just uh, get some chemistry early if we play together. Yeah, he's a dangerous player. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that uh, you, you really don't want him to, to heat up uh, as uh, as an opponent because he's one of those guys that 
uh, I think is opportunistic and, and he, he finds holes, he finds, finds the net and, um, you know, he's going to have someone um, to play with here that, you know, will be able to find him, whether it's Nuge, whether it's Connor, whoever, uh, someone will, will get him, get him, uh, get him looks and uh, I think he, he has the potential to, to put the puck in the net and, and make play. So um, hopefully he can, he can uh, you know, get to that. Yeah, I mean, Neil is the guy. As much as you can look at Granlund or Archibald or Shane or Kara and say, well, maybe, maybe this guy steps up and gets a few extra goals, Neil's the only guy with that on his resume and with several years of that on his resume. So I think that's the guy who's going to add some offense to the Edmonton Oilers. I, I wouldn't necessarily bank on some of the guys they brought in to be in the bottom six. Neil's going to play with somebody. Now, Tippett isn't committing to any line combinations. He did say again today that preferably Dreisaitl and McDavid stay together. That's probably going to be uh, how they start. Those guys like playing together. Everybody's seen them together. Tippett's seen them together. That's probably what they stick with. I don't know if Neil goes with them, goes with Nugent Hopkins. Personally, I'd like to see him with Nugent Hopkins. I think Nugent Hopkins would like to have somebody to pass. I mean, there were games late last, well, even earlier in the season. I mean, Nugent Hopkins playing with guys who had less than five goals each on a second line in the NHL. And he's trying to set these guys up, and they're not goal scorers and they're not shooters. So Neil gives them that. One other thing I want to get to, and Connor McDavid spoke on the weekend uh, after the informal skate on Saturday. You can get more on that on uh, 630Ched.com. And he did not commit to any sort of participation in training camp. Practicing, playing games. He, he didn't even commit to being ready for the season opener on October 2nd against the Vancouver Canucks as he gets over that PCL tear in his left knee. Tippett today asked about how he's going to manage McDavid through camp. Every day we, I've talked to him the last couple of days. I watched him skate this morning. We're just going to manage him as it goes along. You know, this morning he was out there. You know, he did everything in practice, so... Uh, it's a, it's a combination of us with the training staff and the doctors, and, uh, and Ken and I will talk about it with Connor, and just whenever he feels comfortable, that's, where, that's when he'll go. And uh, uh, we'll, be, we'll be very cautious with him, you know, especially early in camp, and uh, it'll a lot depend on what the doctors think and how he's feeling. We'll be cautious with him. You know, we're still a little over less than a week away from that, so we'll see. But he, he looks like he's skating fine out there, but we're, never gonna, we're not going to put him in a bad position. All right, well... We're not getting a lot of clarity on this. I, I saw McDavid skate on Saturday. If I didn't know he'd been injured, I, I never would have thought anything had ever been wrong. Now, it's not a contact situation. It was a three-on-three quarter ice game and some drills. Uh, but he looked like the Connor McDavid we've seen over the NHL in the last four, four years. Next week, there are four preseason games in five days. Does he need to play any of those? Probably not. I'm sure as a, as a competitor and someone who wants to feel ready for the season, I'm sure he would prefer to play a preseason game, to play something before October 2nd if he is able. But no one's talking right now. Everybody's being very careful what they say. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We're coming up on... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 621, uh, a little bit from the newest Edmonton Eskimo, Matthew Betts. And yeah, he's going to play in a couple weeks against Hamilton. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. May 2nd, the Edmonton Eskimos drafted Matthew Betts, third overall defensive lineman out of Laval, three-time winner of the U Sports Best Lineman in Football Award. He spent the summer trying out for the Chicago Bears, played in all four preseason games as a linebacker, got cut about a week and a half ago and decides to come north to the Eskimos. Well, it's always been in my plans. Uh, obviously, the, the main focus for me was uh, after uh, after my college career to, to find a football team to keep on going with uh, the professional level. Um, obviously, it I was important for me to to do my best to try to fit in uh, with an NFL team to uh, do this process from top to bottom. Um, fortunately, it didn't end up the, the way I wanted it to. Uh, when it was all said and done, in my head, it was pretty clear that I wanted to, to be here to, to finish the season here. Uh, the last thing I wanted was to, to sit out a football season. So. Um, that's the, that was definitely on the top of my list of the opportunities that were that were given to me, and uh, as I just said, I'm just excited to be to be an Eskimo and to be able to help this team win, win as much game as possible towards the end of the season. Now, when the Eskimos drafted Betts, they knew he was going to be with the Bears. Heck, they knew there was a chance maybe he makes the NFL and never plays for the Eskimos. But Brock Sunderland, the GM of the team, explains why they made the pick anyway. Our analytics is studying what the percentages of undrafted free agents in the NFL stick with rosters, and it was in the 30%. You have your outliers like your Wayne Krabetz, your Rod Smith, and those people that become prominent fixtures for organizations and probably Hall of Famers. But 70% of undrafted free agents are released, and that's not an indictment on Matthew because I think he can play in the NFL level. I've also been in the NFL and I understand if you're a draft pick you get a lot more opportunities if you make mistakes. You have a lot longer rope. He didn't have that luxury and that's not saying he wasn't worthy of that but you know, we certainly did feel it was a calculated risk because of our research going into the draft. All right, more on the Eskimos coming up with Blake Dermott. You'll hear more from the Nuge and Dave Tippett. The champ, Jelena Mergenovic, is going to join us in studio and the Coaches Show with Jason Moss at 7.30. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30 Chad. Football, 26 seconds left in the first half. Texans leading the Saints 14-3. Later on tonight, final game of the week, Denver taking on Oakland. Uh, Man, yesterday I watched most of the Cincinnati-Seattle game. The Bengals' defense completely overhauled from last season. Really gave the Seahawks a lot of trouble, but the Hawks won by a point. I, uh, I was out for dinner for a bit, so I missed about the first quarter and a half of the Patriots Steelers game and I got home I think okay I'll settle in and watch this and it was uh, 20 to nothing so I did not watch very much of it as uh, the Patriots absolutely pounded the Steelers all right Oilers rookie game tomorrow on 6.30, Chet. It's going to start at 7. We'll do inside sports from 6 to 7, and then Jack and Bob in Calgary for that game. You've been hearing some comments from uh, Dave Tippett, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Leon Dreisaitl tonight. Dave Tippett also asked about having a number one goalie. And he says, well, I don't consider 
one of them to be the number one goalie. They know that it's competition, and they've already started in practices. And I know Schmidty well. I know, and I've watched a lot of Costin on tape. But I think they're both going to be. Uh, I've told them both. I, I hope you both play 41 games really well. Right? If we do that, we'll be fine. And even though the Eskimos on a bye week, they made some news today. Matthew Betts, their first-round pick, third overall from this year's draft after being cut by the Chicago Bears. Matthew Betts signs on with the Eskimos. He will be active. He will play next Friday. I'm talking the 20th, the Eskimos' next game when they host the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And one question for that game, will quarterback Trevor Harris be able to play? He started the Labor Day rematch, played about a quarter, and I'm uh, sure you've seen the video as uh, as I did. I was watching the first half of this game before the Oilers rookie game in Red Deer, uh, shaking his uh, right arm, trying to throw on the sidelines, and uh, did not get back into the game. Logan Kilgore went the rest of the way. Jason Moss asked for an update on the Harris injury today. It's an upper body injury, uh, obviously to his throwing arm. Um, we're going to you know go day to day with him to see where he's at. Uh, we're ex- the expectation is that each day he's going to get better. Um, but ultimately, we've got a lot of days before our next game. So you know it, it, we'll update you more when we know. And right now he's just getting rest and treatment, and we'll figure it out uh, when we need to. All right, so we'll uh, we'll wait for that. They'll be back at practice uh, on the weekend, so we'll see uh, if Harris participates and, and how much as we bring Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, onto the show. I don't know, Blake. I, I mean, we're just I, – I'm always careful with injuries. I mean, clearly we, we know it's, it's not a, a broken arm or anything like that where he can't actually uh, operate. I, I wonder, though, just how it happened. Because you kind of see him shaking the arm. He tries to keep playing. He goes off. He comes back. He tries to throw. I mean, I wonder if this might be something that maybe has been nagging him. And as as you pointed out, we saw some underthrow balls uh, in the home game against Winnipeg. We don't see a lot of deep shots. I I wonder if there's something physical here, not just the, the play calling or the defenses that have been hindering Harris the last couple of weeks? Well, I had heard today, uh, to answer your question, I, I, I'd heard just that, that they thought that this was something that, uh, that had been nagging uh, for, the last, for the last little while. They didn't say how long, but uh, it had been something that had been bothering Trevor Harris for, let's say, uh, the last number of games. Um, so maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, what had happened, because I didn't even see, see anything that caused it to happen. And it wasn't his forearm. When I was watching him uh, on the sidelines. They were seemed to be manipulating the muscles in his forearm, like trying to loosen it up. And uh, maybe he he's just uh, he suffered some sort of a pull. That of course you know when you're when that's your throwing arm and you're throwing 50 to 100 balls every day, you don't really give it a chance to rest. So uh, and then this is something that we discussed on the broadcast was that you know is there. Um, is there a bad time for, for uh, a buy? Uh, is there a good time for a buy? And I think from the psychological standpoint for the Eskimos and from the physical standpoint for the Eskimos, this is probably the best time to have a buy. Well, yeah, and like, like I said about the, about the injury, there didn't look to be anything specific. You didn't see a hit or him being drilled. I mean, I was like I said, I, I, I went down to Red Deer a little earlier so I could sit and watch the first half of the game. And they, they, I couldn't really hear the, a lot of the sound, but all of a sudden they show Harris going to the locker room, and then a, several minutes later they they showed that video of him kind of flopping his arm like he was trying to 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 loosen it up. So you wonder if there's a grip issue or he just can't get the ball out with as much power as he would like. 
you know, one of the things that, that I took from that was that at no time did he take all of his equipment off. I mean, they had three quarterbacks dressed for the game. And I think that it, was, it looked to me that if there was a, an absolute need to have him back in the game, if, if uh, Kilgore had been injured or uh, couldn't continue, that I think he was going to be ready to go in and do what minimal stuff that he could do. Because he was throwing the ball, but obviously there was some pain when he did that. Uh, he could grip the ball. He, he, uh, it, just, it just wasn't, it looked something like something that was very uncomfortable for him, and uh, he wasn't going to be able to do it at 100%. So um, if, if it was something that uh, I think was absolutely, uh, you know, critical, he would have had his equipment off right away. Uh, so so I, I think that, you know, two weeks, uh, this week off, and, of course, uh, next week, uh, listening to Coach Moss, that this is going to be something day-to-day, and it'll get better every day. So uh, I think that's good news for Eskimo fans. All right, the the game itself. Uh, I mean, another tough one for Eskimos fans. They've lost three in a, three in a row. They're six and six. They're zero and five combined against Calgary and Winnipeg. So, I guess thankfully they're they're done with those two teams. They still do have Hamilton and Saskatchewan a couple of times each. Um, you, you know, again, Blake, kind of one of those games. The Eskimos are are not really out of it but they're not really in it through the second and third quarter and, and then the score kind of winds up uh, looking pr- pretty ugly by the end well i think the tell the, the biggest thing that i took from it the the tell that i got from this game was that you know when you look at how these teams ended up statistically edmonton was at 310 yards i think of uh, offense Calgary was at 301 yards of offense. Calgary was at about 375 yards passing, and Edmonton was about 350. Um, time of possession was, I think, 45 seconds difference in Calgary's favor. The number of penalties each team took was 10. I mean, this was a game that, when you looked at the numbers, was very even. The big difference was, and, and I'm not going to say that uh, Bo Levi came out and played an outstanding game. Bo Levi came out and played a, a decent game. He didn't play a great game. He threw two picks early. But the difference is, if the Eskimos make a mistake, other teams are taking advantage of it. And right now, when the, when the Eskimos make teams make mistakes, they don't come away from it with a ton of points. And they don't have that. That's the difference between them and the good teams right now is that when they get the other team to make a mistake, they can't put them to sleep. And, uh, and that's something that that is, that is, I guess, been a knock against this team, been, been their curse this whole season. Um, with, with the number of games left to go, there's still time to be able to, to, be able to get to that point where when teams make a mistake, then, then you can ultimately take control of a game. But at right now, and that's why I said, that, you know, this is a good time for these guys to do a whole lot of soul-searching, whether it be the coaching staff, the, the uh, organization, but more importantly, all the players, because that, that's ultimately uh, what controls the games is the players. And, and right now, uh, the last three games, I don't think that the Eskimos have got enough out of the players. You know, you, you pick off Bo Levi three times, like that's like Christmas morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't yeah. throw a, but also, and, and again, Blake, I was, you know, through this, I, I watched the more highlights of the second half, and obviously the game was getting out of hand, and I was covering the Oilers rookies, but I, I will say this about Bo. Uh, he is, he's outstanding. He threw some passes backpedaling on, on a dime, you know, second and eighth, second and six, where I thought, oh, the Eskimos got him on the run. And he can still fire it when he's when he's off balance. I mean, he's he's really got a complete skill set. I think. Well, and the other thing uh, that he didn't uh, 
he didn't get sacked once. Uh, again, two games in a row, the Eskimos had a, the, the top team in the league, and uh, they, as far as getting sacks, 33, and they didn't, uh, um, they didn't get to him once. Now, they, they, he did, he did, he did put the ball uh, into the hands of the Eskimos uh, uh, a number of times. He also threw some balls away, as you were saying, running away. Like he's, he's smart enough that he was able to make sure that nobody could catch some of the balls. But he managed the game and uh, his his defense around him and uh, uh, all the things that good teams have, a little bit more balance, was enough to, for Calgary to secure the win. And you're right. It, again, this is two games in a row. It didn't matter how close the game was. At no time did it, did it ever feel like they were in any danger of losing this game. Got a great text here from Jared. Hey, Reed, is this new guy on the Eskimos going to help? Well, that's that's the big question. I'll tell you what, Matthew Betts was an outstanding U Sports player, like an, an outstanding U Sports player. He's going to be on the defensive line. He was trying out as a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Uh, I mean, he's coming in for the last six games of the season. I think he can help. I'm not going to come in and expect him to set the world on fire, um, you know, because he's obviously now stepping into to pro football from from college, and he did play some preseason games in the NFL. Blake, I'm wondering from from your experience as a player. I mean, what do we call it? The NFL airlift. It doesn't happen a lot, yeah. maybe as much. But when when you, you did have those guys coming in, or maybe Canadians like this who were trying to make, the, what do you remember as a as a player, like, can they really fit in and make a huge difference? What do you recall? Well, I think that, uh, well, uh, guys like Betts who have played the Canadian game before, um, certainly grew up playing the Canadian game, played it in CIS and at Laval, and being a top pick, I, I, I think he's like six foot two, six foot three, about 255 pounds. I think that's what he played at. Uh, the number three pick in the draft. I mean, you look at look at the the talent that the Eskimos have on defense, uh, Canadian on defensive line, and, and Kwaku Boateng. Um, I think Betts uh, and, and Boateng uh, was a third-round pick. Betts was the third pick in the draft. Uh, so, so this is a guy that comes with a pretty good pedigree. He's got an incredible motor, and uh, and obviously was able to stick with the Chicago Bears all through training camp. So he had some. He has certainly some ability. And being Canadian, they're going to put him on right away, and they're going to play him. And and I think that could be a really nice rotation because one of the things about declaring a, a spot. On uh, uh, as a Canadian spot, which was what they've done with Boateng, is that if Boateng were to ever get hurt, then they got to then they got to screw around with the ratio unless you have somebody else that can rotate in. Um, but you know if they've if they've, they've been able to manage that so far this year, then maybe that opens up another spot for if Betts does turn into be like a Leroy Blue, and we all know what kind of a player Leroy was here in Edmonton. He was, Leroy is one of those uh, one of the best Canadian defensive linemen that that the CFL has ever seen. Maybe that this combination of Betts and Boateng gives the Eskimos uh, another one of those things where you get uh, to a, a ratio changer, and uh, and I, I think that can only help the Eskimos. I mean, that could certainly help when when they've had some injuries along the offensive line. Maybe going with another offensive lineman, or, or certainly putting another uh, uh, an American at the secondary position. So anytime you get a player of this caliber, yeah, this guy's going to help, and this guy's this could this could be a significant uh, benefit to the Eskimos. And, and, he, and he's joining a position set, a position group that's been pretty good for the Eskimos. And Moss said he's not going to start. We don't need him to get tons of sacks so it's nice to um maybe eased into it isn't the right word because it's a pretty physical demanding position but it, it's not like okay you got to go out there and be the guy he's going to be part of a group so so that's good as well blake uh off week for uh for the eskimos uh how, how the wildcats do on the weekend not very well <laughs> okay so we, we had a close well? game uh, against calgary colts and uh 
we uh, missed three field goals and we lost by six points or five points. Right. So it was uh, it was a, a tough week, a tough weekend all around for for the Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton football. All right. Well, U of A football won on Friday. Yes, so U of A won. I believe the Huskies might have won as well. So, so um, um, it was uh, um, U of A uh, great for them going into Regina and winning that game. A little bit of a sloppy game, but they won. And uh, it's not like they're throwing around a lot of wins in the last few years. So this win is great for that organization. I, I got to be quick here, but I don't want to ignore Doug's text. I do. I do have Gene Prince coming up. But Doug says, Reed, can you ask Blake if he ever ever had a potential opportunity to try out in the NFL? Um, no, I, I, I never explored that. Uh, I, part of it was because uh, I, I didn't really start getting good till about my fifth year, <laughs> and, and by that time I was probably too old to give it a try. Yeah, the the uh, this, the NFL will look at the the CFL, but they prefer guys who are, are twenty three or twenty four, right? Or younger <laughs> out of the yeah. CFL, so that's okay. Blake, always great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for fitting me in. All right, Reed. Thanks a lot. All right, so a uh, good discussion there about Trevor Harris and uh, you know Blake saying that uh, he, he's kind of hearing what what I was speculating on. This might have been something that was nagging Trevor Harris in previous weeks, and then. Uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply prevented him from finishing the game against Calgary. Uh, one of your favorites, Gene Principe, for uh, a little hockey, a little soccer, and a little Sports Central talk when we get back. Hi, this is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Shed. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. We're just talking about the Eskimos with Blake Dermott. They are on a bye. The Oilers getting ready for training camp. Medicals, physicals on Thursday. Leon Dreisaitl golfing today in their foundation tournament. And, of course, he's coming off that 50-goal season. It's obviously uh, very exciting. Uh, it's something that I'm that I'm proud of. Um, and, you know, like you said, I think uh, scoring goals in the NHL is, um, you know, one of the hardest things to do. And, um, you know, it just uh, makes me, uh, you know, really appreciate what, what guys like Ovechkin um, do you know they do that every single year over and over again and and that's pretty impressive um, so hopefully I can um, you know get get close to that again and, and um, you know get get better as a, as a hockey player all around all right and uh, more on some comments from tip at Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins today on 630ched.com as they spoke at the Royal Mayfair I was there Gene Principe was there as well Gene I think that was you that asked uh Lee, on that question, but the the chorus coming from everybody, if uh, they will take fewer goals for if uh, for more wins on a playoff spot. Yeah, uh, it was, Reed. Uh, thanks very much. That's about the only way you and I will get into the Royal, May- Royal Mayfair. Hey, I guess if the orders are uh, <laughs> the orders are golfing there, I kid. The course looked fantastic, by the way. We uh, we had a chance to see a couple of holes, and it was. It was gorgeous looking. Uh, I hope, and the weather seemed to hold off for them. Yeah, Leon. I mean, I, I don't. I think we would agree, uh, Reed, to some extent. I think when Leon showed up, I, I believe we thought he was more. Not that he wasn't going to score thirty goals, but he would more likely have thirty and seventy than 
you know, 50 and 55 or 60, that that he was maybe more of a passer, but um, he, with the guy that he plays with, uh, you got to be a shooter, and uh, it was a hell of a season that he had, and it was interesting, you know, we, I, we would never take Alexander Ovechkin uh, for granted, but I think we somewhat take for granted that he's going to score 50 goals or somewhere around that total every year. And now Leon, you know, people are looking at Leon going, okay, uh, he did it once. Can he, can he do it or get close to it again? So uh, one of the, 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 I guess, emerging storylines, but as he said, and you may have played the clip or you may play it, uh, he was fine that he had that kind of year, but, uh, you know, it sucked not to make the playoffs. So uh, I think more than anything, he and Connor and Nugent Hopkins and the newcomers like James Neal and Mike Smith really want to get this team in the playoffs. Gene, I want to chat about something else with you here. Uh, man, there, there's so much going on. This is a fun time of year. FC Edmonton has a big Wednesday night home game against Cavalry FC. Uh, yeah. That is that is Calgary, as I've often joked. A lot of the teams in the league didn't use their city name. They they yeah. got they got a good team. This is for the the Wild Rose Cup. Uh, the, you know the the competition between the two teams. Uh, FC Edmonton needs a win here to stay alive to win the fall part of the season and get into that championship game against Calvary. And it's a big night for Sports Central, too, at uh, at Clark Stadium. Yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, Mark Spector, who is often on uh, Tuesdays with uh, Bob, has uh, put together with the help of the Sports Central uh, board and numerous volunteers and numerous sponsors an excellent, excellent uh, golf tournament uh, in the summer that raises a lot of money for Sports Central, which is located by the old rink. Uh, right off Wayne Gretzky Drive there, and uh, basically they provide equipment, uh, used equipment for kids, and sometimes new equipment for kids that just don't have the money to to afford it. And uh, sometimes it might just be a pair of shoes, or it could be hockey equipment, it could be football equipment, uh, you know, it could be some baseball. Uh, they deal with about 13 different sports, and about 9,500 kids read, if you can believe it, uh, I was going to say take advantage. They don't take advantage. They just use what's available to them through Sports Central. So thanks to Jay Ball and Tom Fath and the people over at FC Edmonton, we've kind of partnered on Wednesday night to have a night in honor of Sports Central to to try and raise money and to try and raise or or gather equipment. So, um, you know, I'll be there, and there will be a number of volunteers from Sports Central. And and basically we'll have – a bin for lack of a better term but we'll have a spot where you can donate uh, equipment um when you come to the game if you're driving by just outside the main gate we'll we'll do a 50 50 draw and hope to raise money through 50 50 sales uh you know we hope that people might have a, a loony or a toonie and just drop it in a bin for us uh it's a really worthwhile cause and i'm going on a little bit about it i was asked to be part of it and for me it was a natural uh because of sports and because, in fact, I was a kid at one time. And uh, and you may want to ask me about it more, but I, I want to get in just this quick note. When I was a kid, we didn't have a lot, but we had enough that I was able to get soccer cleats and some hockey equipment. And I remember, Reed, uh, I think my first love was my equipment. Uh, if I would get a new pair of soccer shoes um, or a, a stick, um, I would just treat it um, so gently and carefully, and I just would uh, honestly. I, I I just love looking at my equipment um, to see it and just to be able to use it. And I I think of kids who 
uh, you know, don't have that opportunity that maybe are going to be a decent player, a good player, a great player, a bad player. It doesn't matter how they turn out to play. It's just that they get to play. And so it's a really worthwhile cause. There are many, many, many worthwhile causes. But we're hoping for one night on Wednesday night uh, at Clark that people will um, spend some time and maybe a little bit of their money to help out uh, a kid, uh, a number of kids who are in need when it comes to sports. Gene, well said. I really appreciate that, man. We're obviously going to be seeing each other a lot around the rink. Uh, You remain one of my most valued mentors and friends in the broadcasting business. Thank you for popping on tonight. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. This is Gene Principe from Sportsnet. And so Wednesday at 7, FC Edmonton against Calvary FC at Clark Stadium. Uh, You are encouraged to bring some gently used sporting equipment, uh, really uh, any sport, especially looking for soccer shoes and shin pads, all for Sports Central, and uh, you can make a monetary donation as well. Great stuff there from Gene. More on the Oilers and the Eskimos on 630Chet.com. Stories up about uh, the Oilers' comments today and about Matthew Betts joining the Eskimos. The champ, Jelena Bergenovich, in studio when we get back. 630Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Chet.